also the show, all that stuff that we've been take. Yeah, there we go. It's not it's not doing me any good. Hi guys, welcome. What up? Yo. Good evening. Another uh view and spew review for Cinnamon Fantastico. Ooh, and uh, I am Adam Rutkowski. We have Joshua T. Ruth. We have Victor Moreno. We have Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin is here. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin is here. It's a damn fine beard. You guys yes. should be so lucky. <laughs> Sean, also known as the Swiss Cheese Hatterack. <laughs> Sean McLaughlin. <laughs> Sean McLaughlin Cheers. is here. Yeah. <clears throat> Kyle McLaughlin's I'm gonna call you more that. handsomer brother. <laughs> the right. Swiss Cheese Hatterack. <laughs> what did we watch what was this so this was the uh suggestion or i I don't even know it was a suggestion but you kind of threw it my way or our way yes it was more like didn't you just mention it and then you seized upon it right i I said um what about this trailer guys this looks insane and And i didn't even watch the trailer i didn't either yeah, I also did not watch that trailer. Well, good. Thanks for paying attention to my post. I, uh, Jesus I didn't. Well, I mean, well, if you post in the wild does, and no one sees it, did you actually post? <laughs> I mean, if we're going to be that close to it, like, I'm like, if I can go and clean to a movie, I want to go and clean to a mm. movie. You know? Right, right. But that wasn't a suggestion for the, right, the right. podcast. Totally. It was just like, hey, guys, check this out. Yeah, and for sure. And Adam was like, yep, we're doing it. Done. Bought. Done. Yeah. Ordered. Uh, no, I'm glad we did. Yeah. For those who are wondering, our pick for this uh, view and speed review is Gabe Bartolos's Saint Bernard. So many fingers. Available now on Blu-ray from our friends at Severn Films. Yeah, Severn, Severn. Severn. Nice group of people. I mm-hmm. like the Severn people. Mm-hmm. Anytime that I've gone to their uh, booths, whether it be at any kind of uh, you know, Mad Monster or whatever it is they've always been really um friendly and uh receptive and talkative mm-hmm. and just like down-to-earth people putting stuff out that's fantastic quality yeah, fantastic they're the people who put out a shocking I won't dark sign off on that because shocking dark oh. yeah good one that's good his one. deal remember this yeah. is all part of the cult following podcast network <clears throat> right. yes and it's being uh, videotaped this time around. Yeah, which mm. you'll find on the Cult Classics YouTube channel. Subscribe to your Lucky friends. you guys. Lucky you guys. You get to see our beautiful beards. YouTube.com slash C slash Cult Classics. If we're going to be on YouTube, we should be like all YouTube-y. Right. You know? <laughs> I, think, I think Adam needs to get a green blanket and we can uh, <laughs> green screen like a St. Bernard head right behind. We need to get those like shine. bright lights that like shine in like the reflection of your eyes, like those like yeah. big circle lights. Yeah. Um, we should have like our thumbnail, you know, be like be like a, some dumb picture of us making some stupid face and giving a thumbs up with like big text. This is all a work in progress. I'm, Smash I, that I am like and subscribe. Right, hey, guys. Right, yeah. We yeah. need to start by saying, hey, guys. Smash that subscribe button, you guys. Yeah. Ding that bell. God, we're sticking it to YouTube right now. <laughs> we can take that, YouTube. Oh, man. Um, St. Bernard is, uh, I think, definitely my favorite movie that we have covered, um, including the Deal Breen movies. Um, I absolutely really, really responded to this film. I just think that it was such a an interesting just like this expression of uh you know set design and imagination and makeup and special effects and all these things and it was clearly really low budget you know you can tell this was a labor of love and and i think at the beginning of the film when you had like the little kid running around and stuff like i was like well uh, is this going to be another you know maybe not love on a leash right but something that's going to be pretty low budget a snooze fest i mean sure it started off with a parachuting turkey like actual like not like a dead like turkey well, carcass it was getting ready to true, jump out of true, the airplane true, true. and we we get the payoff to right, that later right but before the movie started to get really you know bizarre i guess like i was a little concerned but like i just think that if you're going to make a low budget movie this is the way to do it you know because it's like if the constraints of the budget and the cameras that were used and all that stuff like didn't affect it in a negative way whatsoever in my opinion mm. you know this is something 
thing that just shows that if you have the talent, um, the money isn't necessarily the most important thing. Like if you have talent, you have a vision, um, then you can really make something pretty amazing. Um, and so I, I don't know if everybody responded as strongly to this film as I did, but I, I definitely really, really loved it. Um, I mean, to be fair, I, I, I don't feel right like categorizing this as the same kind of caliber as like sort of the other movies like mm. love on a leash or i mean where it's oh, just yeah. kind of no. like you know we're kind of having fun at the ineffectual bumbling of someone who doesn't realize it eh. or you know like oh th- this person is so far up their ass that they didn't realize they made this thing that's comedy gold um i mean that's a positive thing i'm saying oh yeah 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 um yeah, that, well if you make love on a leash you deserve that shit yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm just saying like I, i'm not gonna like slag this movie you know i i will say like i it didn't really speak to me you know but i realized like there's like you know it's clearly this guy's specific vision gabe bartolos yep. who did all this like special effects work for like basket case and um Frank you know leprechaun Hooker. yeah and, and you could see that um i to me i just feel like this movie like drags and it needs needed way more of a narrative thread for me to be invested in it yeah the third act definitely i would say did drag some there was some pacing issues in there i mean the movie's like you know one hour 37 minutes that seems to be like the thing it felt way longer than that yeah i I, mean i think it felt like as long as it was but at the same time like i just i I think these movies don't need to be that long i think a movie like this could have been this could have been like an hour long and i think part of it is too like i mean it's very experimental i Mm. mean but the thing of it is it's like I've seen experimental movies like this before, so, like, some of the stuff, like, like especially the third act felt, like, super derivative of, like, Tetsuo the Iron Man versus, mm. like, the first act, which, like, okay, Eraserhead is clearly an influence. Like, the third act is, like, this is just a hard riff on Tetsuo the Iron Man, you know? So that was my take on it. Yeah, the climatic battle was right out of it. Yeah. So and If that was a battle... Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I do like that there's a lot of symbolism there that's left open. Like, clearly this means something specific, and I like that. Like, okay, there's meaning here. We don't have to understand what it is specifically, and that's an upside. You know, and you can read into that. There's a bunch of stuff in there that you can read into. And then versus there's some stuff that just kind of seemed absurdist to me, which didn't appeal to, like, my humor so much. Mm-hmm. you know so like I, i'm trying to give it as like a balanced a thing like I, like i said i don't want to slag on it because like this isn't like love on a leash where i'm just gonna like hard riff hard riff hard riff you know? no it, it was a it was a competent movie yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it didn't explain itself at all really well in a way of of uh like showing you specifically what's going on or telling you what's going on mm. yeah there wasn't it was it was like what you said a lot was like oh metaphor guys metaphor 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 yeah. it was all mostly like a visual thing but then there were times where you just kind of went with these long scenes of nothing really expanding on that so much mm-hmm. and then there were a lot of payoff scenes which were fantastic but were they fantastic because of all the stuff that was kind of building up? Well, I think... Like you, the nothing before... Yeah, I mean, it's about pacing. Like, And I, I certainly think that the third act had some pacing issues. But, I mean, I really felt most of the film didn't. I, I think that those pacing issues, which, to be fair, you know... I mean, we may have been, like, riffing on the movie a little bit more than, like, really just allowing it to, like, wash over us. So, it's kind of hard to, like, really attack a film's pacing if, like, we're also not giving it our full attention. But, like, at the same time, like, I think that having those moments of not something happening make those moments where something happens just like a lot more impactful you know it's like you have that scene and like that that sign that flips down with that guy at that desk right there's like these moments in the film that like jump out you to know, be even... fair that was like one of the better scenes in the whole movie like sure, that was like sure. the centerpiece of the whole movie and that, I, that sequence in yeah there? yeah with like the, the police the police station, station. right because right. well, yeah. that because you had elements of like the the, the like the gilliam sort of thing like mm-hmm. brazil sure. type oh yeah no to and it. i totally get that and it's just like and time bandits and you know dave made a maze i mean we were kind of throwing out a bunch of different titles yeah and it, i mean like we there's watching. there 
the thing is, like, I feel like at certain points the movie was like making kind of obvious, like college film school student yep, like no and points. i felt that too yep. like the whole thing where he had to see with the money on it i was like this is like interesting performance art did this really need to make the final cut of this mm-hmm. you know the scene with like the money grubbing priest played by bob zamuda i think made the exact same point but better you know well, I mean, that was the same scene, though, right? Yeah, it, it was, this, but did we really need the thing of them ripping money off of him for, like, five minutes? You know, that's what I'm right. saying. It's sure. like you're belaboring yeah, yeah. the point. Yeah, I mean, it could and have been And that's just judicious yeah. editing. But again, it's a personal movie, so clearly this is something he felt, like, super strongly about. So, like, that's the weird thing about, like, you know, I'm more than willing to, like, go, like, really critique something that feels like this is a narrative feature, it's fiction, and it's doesn't like was the conductor played by the director because clearly he's like a stand-in for the director you know and there's like some kind of personal journey going on and he's explaining like you know like oh i you know at least this is what i was reading where he's like the conductor is sort of like a stand-in for being a creative or a director and this Mm. is his journey and he has he had to deal with all these like kind of obstacles you know and maybe that saint bernard head is like his dream or whatever like the thing he kept trying to keep alive and it just kept getting beaten down like that's what i my read on the movie was and you know there's these set pieces to kind of make it interesting and you know and symbolic just some of them i feel like work better than others and even some that are like don't work or like i think need to be there just to keep the movie flowing like the whole thing with like the roadkill and the amputee like that was like funny and kept us engaged but like i don't really think it added anything yeah, there were, to the movie there were sequences and i i i keep going and i in my brain i kept going back to it and then especially when it got toward the end and i said it out loud i really thought that it was going to be like some reimagining or like within the brain of Mr. Holland's opus. Yeah, and I at did some hear you point at that. the at the very end, you know, he would finally get like his redemption of like the the thing that he was working toward that would elevate his his opus basically. Yeah. And I didn't really see that. I don't really know what the point of everything was. I don't even know if I want to watch it again to kind of like deconstruct I, it I, I, or figure it out. Well, you know. I don't know. I know. Before we go too much further, like I want to know what Sean's take was since he suggested the movie. Like, and well, I don't want to like shut him out because he's not talking. Um, first of all, I don't. Yeah, explain really, yourself, it, Sean. I didn't really suggest this movie so much as I saw the trailer and I'm like, this looks really visually interesting. Mm-hmm. And, I, and has anybody else seen it? Um, but I'll, I'll take full credit for you know actually bringing the movie to the group. You, you got to get up on that mic because because uh, I I genuinely enjoy this movie quite a bit. It, I don't know what it's trying to say narratively, narratively at all, uh, but I did enjoy the ride very much. I was pretty much glued to the screen the whole time. Yeah, like my eyes were enjoying where it went. But yeah, I I would love to see it again. I think that um, you know because they're, they're I mean I, I in my read because obviously I think there's different things you can read from it, but I really got the impression that that old guy was. Um, a sexual predator right and that he had sexually abused that child and that he was somebody who was a music teacher of his and if the film's saying some things it's about um the fact that maybe this guy who was a mentor to him had abused him and kind of gave mm-hmm. him this mm-hmm. love of music but that this love of music was also a constant reminder of the abuse mm-hmm. that he suffered from this guy and he's never able to successfully right uh, push that through as interesting a yeah um and you know the, i mean to me that that just read very strongly i mean at the end i mean you know the, obviously the the giant phallus that the old guy has but i mean the fact that he's like turning into music yeah. that when he attacks him like music falls out of him and that when he turns into a big monster it's this monster that's like made out of music and musical instruments right. and it's about this thing that that he loves that's kind of attacking him yeah. mm. and i mean i if you're going to give the movie credit i think you can even say things like the bust of 
um, Ludwig van Beethoven that you see in the film is reminiscent of the one in Clockwork Orange in which music is used to attack somebody mm-hmm. to you know the thing that they love is used as a punishment on them um, so I kind of got that impression from that um, I also felt that like the, the Miss Roadkill scene like I definitely don't feel that scene was superfluous with the guy with no legs like to me it kind of spoke about um, you know kind of like violence and victim blaming and the way that specifically with women how men just you know there's some men that just have this real vitriolic hatred of women and basically blame them for the way that they make them feel and so it's like this guy does this thing to this woman and yet he blames her Mm. for it and not only that but like he gets really right you know rubs salt into her wounds i I really want to i really want you to see the perfection now because i really want to hear your take on that yeah, totally. I mean, I'm I'm definitely interested in watching it. I might even watch it tonight. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I was getting those things, and and again, who knows, right? I mean, you know, it could be that those things are, you know, so out there, and, and I mean, so bizarre that you you're kind of forced to just bring what you want to. But I think some of those things are very clearly on there. Um, yes, this is a parable for madness, um, but I think it's also like for you know and, and drug use. Yeah, drug. I mean, know, yeah, absolutely. The, that, that that's see that was like one of the things too. I mean, I felt like that was like they hit you over the head with that so hard. Like, like I said, if you're gonna be really creative in metaphors, like I, I feel like some of them, it you shouldn't go for the obvious ones. Like, make it interesting I, I don't know no i totally do get you on that i mean some of it especially you know i see all the different pipes and everything i'm like yeah. okay that's that's a bit obvious isn't it you know i yeah. definitely get you on that um and i'm not gonna ascribe like a genius tag to this filmmaker no, i'm really no, not no. but i am gonna say like what you know what you get with this film is just like pure raw vision and imagination and i mean sure is parts of it derivative i mean absolutely but i mean this guy's been in the industry for a very very long time mm-hmm. um and i mean you know i don't know like when you know you re- you refer to this like uh, like tetsuo like uh right the yeah when did that come out in the early 80s you know so i mean this is like i mean he was a contemporary of a lot of those people too right you know so i think just to say that like he's ripping mm-hmm. them off i mean it's, i don't know i mean if you see i mean i don't i get from what you're saying that you haven't seen that movie i think if you see it sure you'll you'll, you'd be a little bit more on board with that that's why i I was like i have seen the other things though i mean i have seen Eraserhead. i I didn't say it was ripping off Eraserhead. i was like oh i can see that like Eraserhead must have like sparked something like okay this is kind of reminiscent of that the tetsu the iron man thing is a little like yeah this is a little bit more than homage the the way tetsuo plays out and in particular the final act of tetsuo is -hmm. is very similar to the way the battle sequence of the movie is right yeah i mean again having not seen it i I can say it but i I just i think that necessarily it's i mean down kind of like the penis thing even it's Mm -hmm. like yeah that was like it's like ah come on man i don't know this is the curse of like uh, you know i mean we've all seen a lot of movies sometimes that like works for or against us and like how we approach things you know but we also will say you know oh this jordan peele thing reminds me of you know roman plansky and say that's a good thing and then we'll say oh this reminds me of this other movie and say oh that's a bad thing right i mean it's like what we want to describe it's different things though it's like you can look at something and be like okay this is the same color scheme as like the shining you want to remind us of the shining and then Mm -hmm. The deliberate pacing and then there's like the way this scene is shot is exactly the same as in another movie I, and then it's like you could be like and that's the thing i mean that's a whole different can of worms because tarantino does that sometimes and i'm not such a big fan of it like even if you recontextualize it like when they use um the score for some of the score for the exorcist 2 in the hateful eight during mm-hmm. the avalanche sequence i'm like you want to use an Ennio Morricone song? I get it. This kind of bugs me, you know. I, I yeah. yeah. I mean, but I think that's especially interesting with uh, Ennio Morricone because he himself like reused songs of his own from other movies in other movies. No, and I'm sure that's what Tarantino would say. But this is like, okay, I'm gonna you know create this monster and I'm gonna stage the way its machinery transformation even down to the lighting use is done exactly the same way 
I'm, I'm not going to fault it for that. Yeah. Even I mean, though I don't want to get in, in an argument about that because Josh's opinion is just as valid. Because no, 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 I don't mean that. I mean, I don't want to argue with Josh about it. This is just oh, my so, take. Sorry, I'm Josh, saying your take is. I'm saying your take is just as right, valid right. as mine. You know, I guess we again, just disagree. I, I, I mean, I you know, Sean, you're agreeing I, I with want, it. Like I, I haven't seen, fight. I haven't seen the film, fight. so it's it's impossible for me to debate on something that I haven't seen. Sure, right? like I don't know, but I have also seen many times that people's well, like, oh, it's just like this, well, and then right, I see right, that, right, thing, right, like, right, right, right. No, it's not. It, to me, it it didn't matter. Right. I saw elements of Tetsuo, and I did, you know, recognize that, but it wasn't something that took me out of the the the, the element yeah. out of the scene. I mean, honestly, if somebody liked I, Tetsuo, they might right. like be into. Just that. give me a second. Okay, sorry. The thing is, is you know, you saw the thing where this, but but the the way that it was different though from Tetsuo because Tetsuo, it's not like stop motion either. Give me a second just to explain myself, okay. Victor. Please shut the fuck up for one second. <laughs> you had your your moment All to right. talk. And I'm going to defend the fact that Joshua has not seen it. We have seen it. You've seen Tetsuo mm-hmm. as well, one and two. It it had elements of it because it was an expansion of the individual with all these different elements that had to do with an envelopment of uh, that that specific technology for Tetsuo. But for this, it had to do with all those instruments. Um, but the way that it was it was different was that it it wasn't um it wasn't the individual it was from the perspective of uh bernard with this uncle was uh from his mind mm-hmm. so it wasn't him oh that's a good it, point it was it was the uncle right who he which was kind of breaking down like his mind like he was seeing it from what he realized who this person this individual was yeah not as like a mentor who someone was like giving him this gift of uh music and and the passion for it and love for it he found out that he was actually a monster that it wasn't a positive thing, but was like this negative thing of right. like kind of ruining yeah. what and, was something that was innate in him. And I think also like the um, the metaphorical, like the growing of him, like is something because this guy's like a feeble, old, skinny man, right? But yet in this guy's perception, he is this monstrous creature that yeah. is undefeatable, right? And so, and it's like almost that that is like a representation of the way that victims, you know are are cowered in front of their right. victimizers right? right um and i definitely felt that that um you know regardless of whether it's you know i just think that you know the, I, the film should be taken on its own uh, merits but like regardless of whether it's uh it, it influenced by something else or reminiscent of something else like what it's used as in the film i think is really transformative um so you know i definitely felt that was really interesting were there any other kind of sequences that stuck out to you guys at all yeah i think the the police station sequence plays mm-hmm. into that quite as well because i mean when you look at it as bernard's a uh, perspective of a victim right uh and he goes to the police department and it takes him forever to get there it takes him forever to respond it he does not get any assistance whatsoever right, from right. Them when he's inside the station yeah i mean that it's victim 101 you know situation where the police aren't going to help me you totally know, I can't yeah. go to them well what was what was i i maybe i i, I kind of missed it, maybe I felt like kind of a disconnect with the um, the the cigar chewing, cop. whatever cop. Uh-huh. Like it could their be chief like or they whatever. just a distrust of authority figures. I mean, that seems to run into this re that like you know he doesn't trust this old man. What and then he goes to the police for help, and then they just kind of you know are also like sort of these negating what he's there totally. for mm-hmm. yeah well, i saw that with like the staff but and but I, I i guess i'll just call him the chief you know mm-hmm. the cigar drinking all the wine or whatever right. but uh corrupt he was corrupt uh, yeah i don't know because maybe in in some aspects of this film there seems to be what they call like the 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 hero shots mm-hmm. so you have the or hero effects 
And that was definitely one of them where it was very articulated. This head, uh, you know, obviously wasn't some actor's head that they just kind of put prosthetics on, right. mm. but it was a full articulated right. mouth and everything. Right. Uh, and they wanted to spend a lot of time on that. Same thing with um, uh, with Ro- Miss Roadkill. They spent a lot of time because, you know, those legs, everything, all the prosthetics and everything that went into that just looked fantastic. So they took a lot of time with that. Mm. Uh, do you think that the scene with the, the, the chief of police should have been that long? Because I don't think I got so much out of it until he went into the other rooms. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't and started really... seeing, like, the, the bureaucracy sure. of right. that. Yeah, I did. I honestly don't really, you know, remember most of what he said or anything That's like that. That's what I'm saying. But I, I felt, you know, that this film was going for this kind of like bludgeoning you with imagery and trying to keep you off kilter. And I, and I felt that was like really interestingly used in like really like the guerrilla filmmaking ways like we constantly talked about because there's this one scene that takes place like on a ramp like on a freeway turnpike yeah. and he gets out of the car and he like goes up to the side of the road and that's where he finds this head of this saint bernard this dog head um and um and you can see like this line of people stopped behind him like he literally got out of his car and you just look at the situation and like there is no way that they planned this yeah. not in a film of this kind of budget like the dude just got out of his car can't shut down an la freeway yeah no air. you yeah. just can't do it like and i got the impression this was more like north of la you know it was like one of those like smaller places that's not quite in la la but um but still like you just can't do that and there's like people like lined up behind him and you as an audience member feel like a little uncomfortable by that you know because you're like wait a minute how could they be doing this you're almost watching something you shouldn't be watching in a film of this type you know like somebody brought up la la land you brought up la la land right oh yeah for the, at the beginning when they're on the ra- yeah, it totally. almost looks exactly is, the same it probably funny. is like the I, I think it's the um carpool on ramp by usc right right yeah um so you know but but you know, you can see in a movie like La La Land, like, okay, they probably did shut down the LA freeway for a little bit, right? They did. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, but in this movie, they didn't do that. So you're automatically, you're you're left like, what's going on? Even the parts like, you know, where you bring it up, like he looked younger, you know, like in one part. And I think, sure, okay, that's because the film was probably well, made that's when over they a were long in, amount they, of time. That's when they were in Paris. That right, was like, yeah. exactly. Country. Yeah, but, but I also feel that that is used to affect to keep you off balance, right? You know, to be like, mm-hmm. hold on, that's that guy looks different right now um and um you know sure maybe that's a charitable read you know but like obviously they're gonna it works that way that. at the very least sure like that that's a generous thing i'll get i mean i think it's it's one of those things where you know money and trying to work in your passion project in between jobs right yeah yeah but they also have the guy like you know go in one door in la and come out another door and he's in Mm. paris like i mean they're obviously trying to throw you for a loop as an audience and you know make you not be able to find your footing um and i definitely think that that is you know consistently used um and again it's 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 hard to say because it is a different experience if you're sitting in the dark and there's nobody talking you're watching that film you're gonna have a completely different experience than while we're sitting there you know making jokes and saying well what is this right so it's hard to really judge the pacing of the movie in my opinion on that you know just with that type of viewing and i do want to watch this movie again i'm going to pick up this movie um because i just think that for the pure imagination like i sat there multiple times trying to think about like how would you conceive of a movie like this you know like what would you write down like what would you start to write down you know just even if you look at all the things happening in that police station and it's like you've got the the one guy who's just like doing like scribbles on a piece of paper and you've got like the kid who's like stamping things and you've got like all this just and there's so much visual information now guilty totally right guilty Yeah, yeah. And I mean, sure, some of it is really good set design. And I mean, I'm not going to say, yeah, he sat down with a script and said, there is a door that has, you know, 12 doorknobs on it, right? You know, he's probably may not have done that. That that may have been something you riffed on. Um, 
but at the same time like the, i'm sure that a lot of this was on paper this was you know thought of ahead of time and i don't know to him it probably does mean something yeah i think other than the the police station seemed like it was in a warehouse where the uh set production took time to just cobble something mm, you know, yeah. together uh i think maybe the uh the 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 uh the beach house the uh or the what are they like the pier mm-hmm. yeah like those the interior were of that like, were like the only yeah, the only the two places but and... everything else seemed like it was on location yeah. especially the I, house at the beginning i think part of it is probably like you know, you know like this was clearly made over time and you know in between yeah. you know jobs he was doing it's very surrealistic it's more like i want maybe he just thought of set pieces that because you could take out a lot of these set pieces and they all kind of make a point independent of the whole you know so it's like when he was done at some point he's like well this makes sense here this and then you could he, you could see where he probably oh, shot sure. sequences to tie them together yeah, yeah i can see that yeah, yeah. totally um, have you guys seen Schizopolis? Yes. Yeah. No. So I kind of thought about that a lot too. You know, it's like a film that you have just a, gl- a lot of little like vignettes, almost like short films, right? That exist within it. And I definitely got that impression from this. Like that, I got these little vignette short films. That's a good pull. Um, because Schizopolis at the end of the day is about communication or lack thereof. Right. And this is a guy that's kind of going through his life or his dreamscape or whatever, and is not communicating well with anybody. Yeah. Um, nobody's hearing his issues. No one's really hearing his pain and he's not really paying attention to anybody else either. Cause he's yeah. so wrapped up in himself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I do feel that the, um, you know, I mean, if, if, if that read, um, is correct that, you know, that this is largely about, you know, somebody who is a, 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 you know, sexual abuse survivor, that the whole situation with Miss Roadkill, you know, was uh, really about how, you know, people who are survivors carry that forth into all of their life right. and to mm-hmm. all of their relationships and how it does affect all those things. And that she herself, if you see in her background, she was also somebody who was, a, you know, a victim, you know, whether it be that she was left standing on her own while her mother was having sex in a car right and you know but but she also was a victim and she also you know at that time she sees that pile of flesh and we don't know whether that's actual flesh or metaphorical um that she's you know because she's you know you take flesh right that's like corrupted flesh you see like and you know pieces of an animal you see a jawbone you see all these things so it's like in the same way that what's happening with her mother in that car is like a corruption of flesh it's like as a child you're seeing flesh in a different way just like that pile is and then she goes off into her adult life and she carries pieces of dead flesh around her right you know and 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 even going to like the very beginning it's like anytime you saw that that gray silver line the circle right around that's the same woman like throughout the whole film right right i didn't really realize that until afterwards i'm like no yeah it's the same i mean in different I mean, obviously not wearing the bones, totally. or, you know, the dreadlocks and yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. but it's the same person. Yeah, it's a really good point. That he would, like, run into in different situations or mm-hmm. whatever, seeing the damned in a, yeah. in a right. small club or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I do feel that, I don't know, it's just, to me, it seems like you've got movies that are weird to be weird. Right, and I don't know if this is one of them. I just like I don't think it's just being. I think there are maybe sequences. No, no, and I I, I think this film is something that uh, it definitely you know passion project. Definitely something that was done over time. Something that was uh, edited together based on the material that was uh, taped um, with a lot of different ideas, but definitely something that was internal uh what what's the word that i'm looking for it's it's the uh director writer i don't is it all it's all uh yeah synonymous yeah right oh yeah no it's yeah it's the same guy oh yeah yeah where this this is something that is like completely and totally personal yeah now, i don't know if this is something that he has experienced himself right. right and this is a way to maybe like cathartically just throw it out into the ether um 
but it seems like there's something like really personal going on here. It definitely where it, feels there like that. Doesn't, it, there doesn't need to be a narrative, even though I wanted something that I, I, I wanted to connect with something. Maybe I didn't have the same type of uh, maybe experiences that, that he has had mm-hmm. or a way to express that or feeling that like I had to express something like that. Um, but I have to give it a lot of credit for that. Now, like I said, I don't know if I ever want to watch it again, right. if I want to deconstruct it, but I think I kind of understand it on just that just on the the, the bubble surface right, of it right. that this is personal to this person yeah absolutely and this yeah. had to be done for a certain reason mm-hmm. but it's just not mine well here's an you interesting uh, point or that you can take on this too i mean couldn't you argue that most of like neil breen's movies are clearly personal to him on some level and that he's talking about certain issues that he thinks need to be raised that's but, a completely different no no, no. just just let me just let me bring this up because sure. i think it's an interesting point of discussion at the very least you know i mean we're we're a, we're kind of throwing a lot onto this movie that we don't really know it i mean like there's things that suggest it but we don't really know I will say, like, I feel like Neil Breen's movies seem very, like, commercially driven on some level. Versus this, like, I don't really see, like, a commercial... I mean, even though it's being sold as a product by Severin, it feels like something like, oh, interesting. I see, like, this is viewpoint driven, but I don't really see how you could market this and sell it as a... No, and that's that's what I said, is that this, this is more of a personal film yeah so i think it's it's just weird because then it's like at what point do we kind of like say like this is a heavy personal thing we're just gonna try to examine it really like and see what's there and at what point do we go like this is again an outside filmmaker an outsider filmmaker and they made something that just like is kind of like interesting is kind of like a sideshow well and and that's that where you raise that question answers that question at the same time because that's your Mm -hmm. opinion that's your experience that's my opinion that's my experience Mm -hmm. that's joshua's at sean's Sean McLaughlin. I mean, that's Kyle that's McLaughlin. just you know. That's it's, Kyle McLaughlin. Thank you very much. <laughs> don't that, you see the red drapes behind me? I mean, it should be a visual. You don't cue. think that yeah. was intentional or not? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that that is that is the question that comes up, and I think this one was one of those where like we have finally. Ident- I think I we we would agree that this is like his 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 citizen kane well, his, well, <laughs> well i mean the uh, thing is is the citizen kane was made about somebody else right that was made right. about william randolph hearst and and i don't know if this is necessarily autobiographical oh, it could i meant just more be like their magnum opus sure sure i mean honestly it's been a long time and he hasn't done anything yeah. else like you've only you know, done a couple movies right, i don't know if you're exactly. ready to throw magnum opus out there i mean i mean but but you know and it definitely seems like Not this was a little passion that. project this yeah. was a way to you know kind of express and i and i absolutely get the impression that there are some of these things here that probably don't really have a lot of metaphorical meaning they're just Mm -hmm. like things he wanted to do as a special effects artist yeah you know like specifically like the hair people you know um where you have this scene where it's like a bunch of hair from the bottom of a barbershop like turn into like these hair people yeah it It looked looked really cool but that actually fit in with the plot as well and i will say or what they were narratively discussing i mean because the whole thing with when he was a boy Uh uh-huh with the music instructor, we'll right, just call right. it. Uh, he keeps instructing him to turn his, you know, his bat- baton. I'm yeah, yeah, using yeah. words wrong yeah, here, I'm right. sure. And flip his hair, and he's constantly going hair, oh, hair, right. hair, You're right. He does oh, that, he does that right. the, the yeah. final sequence as well during the battle. Yeah. You know, he's screaming hair, hair, hair at him. Yeah, okay, so, good point. So the yeah. hair coming back yeah. to both protect him from Mrs. Uh, Roadkill. Right, Mrs. Roadkill. right. Uh, and also towards the end being used against him, I think yeah, it, it, it fits in with the through line. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know sure, sure. 100% where it's going, but yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely bang on. And I, I definitely was not picking that up. So yeah, good pull on that one for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and there's some really good, just crazy i mean like like a movement i want to call out was like the moment with the nipple on the orange you know <laughs> oh like, yeah just like really sublime moments of like comedy in, yeah, that are embedded a lot of absurdist humor yeah. in you there. know like really just moments of like just like irony or just something really weird hitting you and just like 
it, we're in, you know, and I definitely think there's going to be people that might watch slash listen to this, haven't seen the movie, but so it's like there's a part where there's like a fruit stand and a bunch of oranges, and one of them has like clearly what looks like a woman's nipple on, it, and he just like you know kind of fondles it for a yeah, second, just enjoys yeah. it, right? For, yeah, you know, exactly. Which again, you know, if you're going to take to the you know the, the the read that we're doing on this is again kind of you know it goes into skewed sexuality, right? It's mm-hmm. like that this is something that's following him, but but it's also like a great moment of absurdist humor. Also, the moment where it's like there's a you know the Miss Roadkill is like with her legs in the road and this van comes and runs it over and it's like spectacular a, a piece of Great. like special effects by yeah, the way yeah. like looks super good like and her legs get run over and then the van stops it's like a white van splattered with red blood and then it opens and it's a guy with no legs who gets out you know and just like that just visual joke right time. exactly but beyond what follows after yeah. like the right. idea that she he runs over her legs and he also has no legs is just like a little visual joke that I just found hilarious hilarious um they there was a lot of moments like that that were just like little almost like meta jokes uh that just really just hit for me in a really funny way mm. i thought i thought that was really a great sequence yeah yeah with uh with the legless guy yeah yeah absolutely really really i because if you're looking at it from the perspective of bernard who's watching all of these events go down right he's watching a victim get berated and abused yeah. by somebody with the exact same issue right that that she has or recently has yeah i mean it's a, there's something poignant you yeah know, yeah about totally he's also standing there impotent to do anything about right, it too right, right. and you know you know he could like i mean this guy movie right exactly yeah but, i mean this guy has no legs movie. like he could probably have kicked his ass if he wanted to right he could have saved her but he didn't save her right. um yeah so Going around around, recommend Joshua. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend it for sure. I think that you know if you're a fan of films like, definitely films like Eraserhead, like early uh, Terry Gilliam, um, like like David Cronenberg, even like there's a sure. lot of Cronenberg in here, specifically like Naked Lunch. Um, mm. You know, like I definitely think that um, yeah. I mean, I think if you like really bonkers films, you're gonna like it. But again, what I like about it, it's not just weird to be weird. Like there's really, I think there's something pretty strong below the surface there. So yeah, high recommendation for me victor um yeah I'll, I'll echo if you like stuff like eraser head or like experimental films like the quay brothers or mm-hmm. you know yeah. that that sort of thing like this might be your jam i think if you're just getting into film this might be like a good like doorway for experimental film i think uh, for me it just it didn't like really speak to me and so on that level i can't recommend it like it's something i would rewatch. But I feel like it's a good thing for other people to watch if you like that type of movie. Visually, this this movie I think is stunning uh, by in set to, set design alone, and then some of the special effects on it, the animations of the Fantasia esque you know hair <laughs> right uh, those are great hair creatures yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, Mister Static, which we didn't yeah, yeah. talk about yeah Mister yeah. Static. Um, Speaking of Terry Gilliam, he looked like an animated Terry Gilliam thing come to life. If Terry Gilliam did like Ren and Stimpy or something, right, right, right. It's it's the visuals alone sell me on this movie. I think there's something a little bit deeper in the narrative than that I want to go back and look into. Is there a commentary on this desk? Let's take a look here because I'd be fascinated to hear um, that if there is. Yeah, I know there's well, a, there's the the making of there's right? the making uh, of and a trailer. That's it. Seventeen minute making of though. Yeah, that's, I yeah, might I mean, be interested bad. to watch the making yeah. of. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I recommend it wholeheartedly. If you're if you're into weird, absurd, you know, ism type stuff or just abstract, it's worth checking out for sure. And I'm kind of fifty fifty on it. I think discussing it a little bit more, uh, I, I I would like to know more about it, but um, it it had its moments. Uh, I think I'm kind of on the same page as Victor. I think if you're a college student that wants to see something that's like at college level, but you know an extra couple steps above that mm-hmm. to kind of see how something uh, maybe obtusely approached with not much narrative but more of like kind of this fantastical yet mundane um 
capture of interesting uh, camera work, interesting uh, conceptual things happening, and then thrown together in kind of a mix mosh of uh, open thought mm-hmm. process. I, I think it's good to watch. I think that's on know? the back of the box. <laughs> is feel, that the description? Yeah. I feel like the way we saw it is probably the best way to see it with like a group of people. I think maybe because well, I, one of the things that I, I I noticed when we were watching it is that conversations started happening during kind of the more quiet parts mm-hmm. of like, oh, did you did you get that thing from Arrow Video? Did you notice, you right. know, I got that, whatever. I think that's, you know, that's I mean, what it is. Like it it kind of wandered yeah, from like just, your attention at some points, as opposed to like other things we've watched where we were just like on the edge of our seats, like what the fuck is going to happen next on, you know, even like <laughs> Love on a Leash, leash or, yeah. you know, the Neil Breen stuff. It's like you had no idea what was going to happen I am next. remembering the Love on a Leash experience very differently. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I have to agree with I, that. I remember. I mean, not, I mean, like we said, we're not bringing it like to that level. We right. were singing Love songs Unleashed, during but... Love and a Leash because there was no score. <laughs> That's right. In the film. But we were still engaged <laughs> enough to like not start wandering as much. Yeah, oh. talking about other yeah. things in our lives or whatever yeah. it was going on. No, I on, only so. literally pulled the phone up on my, pulled the movie up on my phone to see how long it was before it was over. Right. Um, <laughs> that's how disengaged I I tried was. to do that with this movie, <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it's not a complete, like, shit on this movie. No, it's a no, good no. movie. No, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, we all enjoyed it, you know, in our in, in our own ways, mm-hmm. and I think we would all, like, suggest it in, in different levels of suggestion. I'm glad we disagree about it. I mean, it's like, it was one thing I was, you know, it was as uh, uh, the... 80s all over that you recommended to me i was listening they just talked about it's like if we agree on it it's shitty podcast right (laughs) honestly that's one of my biggest peeves is like when you like get to reviews and it's like five people and like one person's like opportunity like oh yeah i agree with him also 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 yeah yeah you know or like the way somebody says long a long thing like i pretty much agree with everything he just said like yep that's it that's that's the classic thing so yeah no absolutely um you know i think there's a lot of uh no pun intended you know meat to chew on in this film you know yeah no i agree um definitely and you know i i I think that you know is some of it a bit obvious absolutely you know certainly i don't think you know you take a movie like um you know what this really reminded me of actually more than like Eraserhead was Twin Peaks The Return specifically Twin Peaks The Return like a lot of like the just the feeling of it reminded me quite a lot of that and a lot of Twin Peaks The Return is inscrutable like you're like I don't know what the hell that David Bowie giant tea kettle with black smoke coming Mm -hmm. out is supposed to mean like I really have no idea and like some people are like that's a good thing because like you know a movie like this which wears its metaphors on its sleeve is like well that's a little bit obvious like you know be a little bit more weird man but it, like at the same time like i kind of like things that are you know like of course i want things that are inscrutable to give you something to dig into but when it's like i, I think where it's like maybe that doesn't mean anything and it's just a thing to be like in 2001 right and ode to the unknown right you know this is just something you're not supposed to know the answer to well no and i i think this is a little bit different after right. just like talking about it i think this is something that is very personal right and like you said it has to do with abuse yeah totally totally so that's a little bit more obvious in that way as opposed to twin peaks where they can take where he does take the license to do Mm -hmm. something that's weird for the sake of being weird totally it's kind of digesting this a little bit more over the last few hours Mm -hmm. it it does seem like there is that overtone of like this is what this is about Mm -hmm. and it might Mm -hmm. take those avenues of this is very obtuse is very strange this is just very uh like drawn out this is inside my head this is not inside my head this right. is you know this is affecting me in this sort of way and this is how i'm dealing with it and this is how it's going this is the denouement yeah, yeah. to it um well, it's there, there's there's focused. more going on yeah, yeah than it just being you know a tea kettle but i do think even beyond all of that stuff just as if you're gonna take 
all of that stuff and throw it out the window. I think as a showcase for for special effects and set design, oh, like absolutely, yeah. any mm-hmm. you know fan of film should watch this. Uh, like, yes. and that, that's that's my viewpoint. It's even if you don't care about the artsy fartsy, like you know that stuff. Just honestly, watch the movie as a special effects movie. It's really it's one of the most talented guys in the game making right. his movie that he wants to make. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Special effects, animation on point. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So what do we have up next? What is next? What remember? Is, uh, not I offhand. Can't remember the name of it. Hold on. Oh, thank you, thank you. I purposely didn't even watch a trailer or anything because I like to go in as clean as I can. Yeah. So. Oh. Um, but uh, I know it's got Ted Raimi in it, right? Uh, Lunatics: A Love Story. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Got it. So, Sean. Yes. What do you know about Lunatics: A Love Story? Just gonna kind of give, not necessarily a synopsis of it, but. Well, I, next time on. I mean, I re- just to kind of you know get people excited. I remember about hunting what's it down out. back in the VHS days. It's a very rare film to find now, but it used to be something that you could now. readily avail. Dot dot dot. dot. <laughs> now. now, Jesus yeah. Christ, shame on you. Sean. Five <laughs> years later, um, it stars Ted Raimi and Deborah Foreman. Yes, and Ted Raimi is the titular lunatic mm. that falls in love. Well, and it's a Renaissance Pictures, so right. it is a Sam Raimi production. Mm-hmm. Oh, around like the an, same time like of like the of Hercules. Oh, this is nineties movie. Yeah, it's nineties. Yeah. It's late nineties. Joxer. I don't know if it ever got a theatrical release. Post Joxer. I don't know. I don't know. It was one of those things that just kind of fell into my echelon of like this exists, and I never mm-hmm. knew it existed. Every until, time like, I tried ago. to track it down over the years, every like search kept kept wanting to confuse it with pyromaniac a love story oh, right. oh interesting right. yeah. it's 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 did not. you mean it's a, it's a different movie <laughs> yeah exactly did you are you sure you don't want this readily available <laughs> right 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 but again this one this one seems like it's a, a like an imaginative um creative sort of bizarre unconventional mm-hmm. love story i recall it being with very people visual. that we yeah. that we really like yeah that totally are starring in it so. i'm all about that like and i, I got the physical like copy it, yeah. it came from uh australia wow uh, uh, from uh i think it's umbrella distribution mm-hmm. um so it is available it's out there, there dvd might, or blu-ray you know, uh dvd okay yeah, I don't think there's a Blu-ray copy, but uh, I mean, it could be something you could find on YouTube, but it, it definitely is out there um, if you were to search for it. So if you want to prepare ahead of time, um, obviously St. Bernard is also available right now. Um, I mean, I got that. It just came out. I think yeah, this just week came was out. the official release The official, date. yeah, because yeah. I pre-ordered, so I got it a little bit earlier um, than normal, but yeah. So that's through Severin. Uh, yeah. Good uh, guys. Uh, love story is through Umbrella Pictures. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you. Do the roundtable. I'm Adam Murkowski. Joshua T. Ruth. Victor Moreno. Sean McLaughlin. All right. We'll see you next time. Take care, guys. Thank you. Smash that like button. <laughs> Ring that bell. Subscribe uh, now. <laughs> <laughs>